Welcome to Off the Grid on RiotRadio.ca. If you didn't already know, we're talking about more F1 today from that awesome theme. It honestly, it gets me going. It's such a great theme. Um, I feel like Daniel Ricardo listening to the United States National Anthem because that gets him really going, which is pretty funny. Uh, I'm Evan Halbert. I'm going to be your host today. And we're going to be talking about the Spanish Grand Prix, which happened last weekend, uh, which has been very, very exciting. Everyone who I spoke to who was like a fan years and years and years ago, they said that the Spanish Grand Prix is super boring um, and really not that interesting. I don't know. Maybe it's because Lewis Hamilton won five times in a row. Who knows? Um, which was not the case this weekend, which is also very exciting. So, uh, But this, this Grand Prix was not the case. This was extremely exciting. There was a lot that was happening, tons of drama, so many mechanical failures all around, uh, people going off the track, um, crazy attack and defense from specific drivers. And overall, it was just very enjoyable to watch. There were moments where I was out of my seat, dancing around, yelling, screaming the whole nine yards. So, yeah, let's get into it. So we have some pre-race things that happened before the actual Grand Prix or they were building up towards it. A um, couple of notable things that I really enjoyed was Albano's. Uh, if you don't know, Alex Albon, he's had this trend for the past little while where he's been dyeing his hair red. Um, he's not superstitious, I don't believe, uh, but he believes that there, there is some form of good luck that comes with it. Every time he's dyed his hair red, which started in Australia, uh, he has been in the points. And that's been really good for Williams and himself as a whole. Um, so he decided he was going to do it. And honestly, F1 has picked it up and they have run with it. Um and a great example of that is they opened up Albano's, which is a hair salon. It seemed like a pop-up uh, Alex Albon um, shop that they people were literally going in and just putting on this fake hair dye. Uh, some people of note, uh, we have some images here. Our first one is with Joost Capito, who is Alex Albon's boss. Um, the Williams team principal, he took over for, I believe it's Claire Williams, a couple years ago. Um, and he's been doing a great job managing the team. Uh, our next picture is also of David Croft who is the uh, commentator. He's the color commentator for F1. He's the lights out and away we go guy, uh, if you're not too sure who that is. So if you don't know who he is, now you do. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. Uh, there's been so many other people that have gone up just to dye their hair red. And honestly, I'm here for it. I love it so much. Nothing but support for Alex Albon. He's been so successful, even in these short little races. And that's the thing. This is what I like about F1, is that even... Even the the smaller teams that aren't doing well, I'm not going to say Williams was a small team. They just haven't really been doing well for these past few years. Uh, but that, just them getting into the points is a big deal and is all, such a massive win for them. Um, so I like seeing these little things. They, they talk about stuff that's exciting. They, uh, they decide that they want to uh, support Alex and his hair choices, which is totally fine. Um, and honestly, I'm here for it. Now, unfortunately, Ted Kravitz wanted to get in on the action uh, when it comes to dyeing his hair, but he couldn't really do it until after qualifying or for some reason or another. Um, we have a video here showing him going to show off his uh, his new hairstyle to Alex Albon during the Williams debrief. So here's that video for you. <laughs> Uh, Mick Schumacher was P10, Kevin Magnussen uh, P8, and uh, yes, K-Mag, P5 in uh, Q2, and then into Q3, did very well, even with a DRS flap that wasn't particularly uh, operating correctly. Right, this is the, uh, this is the briefing room, and uh, there is Alex Albon, 
Um, I'll try and get somebody uh, somebody's attention. You just get Albert. Come up, Pete. Oh, he doesn't want to do it. Right. I did it. I did it. Alex, I did it. I did it. Oh, he doesn't want to come in. Okay. Can you see Alex? Just give me a thumbs up. Just give me a thumbs up. Just give a thumbs up. Okay. Right. Okay. There you go. I told him I'd do that, and he told me to go away. Honestly, manners. Right. So that is. And of course, Ted is having a fantastic time with, uh, with that. Uh, in, in very Ted fashion, if, if you didn't catch him when he was in Miami, he was going down the up escalators while still reviewing what happened during free practice. Uh, so, of course, he's doing all sorts of stuff in between talking about qualifying, which he may have spoiled what I was going to talk about later on today, which I was very excited about. But you'll have to stick around and figure out what I'm talking about. Um, another big thing was during free practice. Um, tons of upgrades this weekend. Lots of cars brought their brother Airy A game. A lot of teams um, bringing in brand new upgrades for their cars. A lot of them really wanted to focus on downforce for this weekend, which is understandable, considering I'm pretty sure that Catalonia is built on a big hill. So uh, yeah, lots of wind, not so fun. Uh, that also affected quite a few drivers this weekend. Um, so lots of wings coming in, a lot of front wings, a lot of floors coming in. Um, but the biggest controversy that was coming into this weekend was Aston Martin almost copying their chassis 1-1 to, uh, to uh, Red Bull, which is really interesting. So if you're not familiar with a lot of the FIA regulations um, for Formula One, you're not supposed to be copying another team's car. Um, and that's why they call it a constructor's championship. You're supposed to be able to construct and build your own car. Um, so copying into someone else's doesn't make any sense. Um, and if anything, it skews the competition in that mechanical, the mechanical side of it. Um, so understandably, there was a whole bunch of memes about it. Here's one of them. Uh, <laughs> you know, spot the difference. What's what's different about these two? Nothing. They're the same picture, um, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. So many people were memeing on it and saying, uh, saying that uh, Aston Martin just wanted to be a Red Bull, which is also hilarious because in an interview, I believe in 2018, when Sebastian Vettel was driving for Ferrari, uh, he made a comment to Lewis Hamilton saying, oh, would you like what I have? And he said, no, I'd rather drive a Red Bull. Uh, well, Sebastian, you got it. You got your Red Bull. <laughs> um, Christian Horner had a lot of interesting things to say about the subject. Um but it's not too surprising. He was obviously very jaded and very, um, I guess, political. He was very political about his response. He, he was saying, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was, you know, flattery is, uh, you know, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. However, this is a competition and this won't happen um, and we're not going to stand for it. Uh, but you'll find out later why Christian isn't talking too much about it now. Um, in other news. There's the F1 charity football game that happened, or, or in North America, a soccer game. Um, it was for Team Star for the Children Foundation, uh, where drivers on the F1 grid came out to play a game uh, of soccer, which was super cool. Um, some notable people that were there, uh, Mika Hakkinen, um, who is a fantastic driver, Nico Hulkenberg, who is the reserve driver for Aston Martin, Nico Rosberg, who won the 2016 um Drivers Championship for Mercedes uh, and Kimi Raikkonen, the Iceman himself, coming out and uh, put it on a show. If you're not familiar with uh, Kimi Raikkonen, he retired last year at the end of last season, um, and he had a lot big fan base um, 
just around his very cold expression, how much he didn't like the media and how much he was not a fan of doing interviews. There's plenty of really funny um, interviews of him saying how, like, oh, if you asked me this question earlier, we could have been done. I would have been gone. Um, so it's fantastic to see him out. He came out to, to play a couple of games. Um, the other driver of note that wasn't even on the F1 team, he was actually on the Stars team, was Daniel Kvyat. Um, and, man, did he make an entrance. We have a video showcasing exactly what he did. So let's take a look at that. Queste ore di vigilia che per chi ha vestito la maglia della Roma sono importantissime. Kiviat l'occasione, attenzione, potrebbe esserci calcio di rigore oppure no. Ha perso gli occhiali Stefano Domenicali da rivedere al VAR. Vediamo se l'arbitro viene richiamato. So if you're not familiar with what just happened, mostly because everything that was said was in Italian. Um, so unless you speak Italian, you, you understood exactly what happened. Um, but Daniel Kvyat, the torpedo, uh, is still going strong even after his F1 racing career. And he actually crashes into the F1 CEO, Stefano Domenicali. Um, and it, it's, uh, he breaks his glasses uh completely by accident but uh sebastian vettel gave him the nickname of the torpedo back in i believe it was 2020 um after he collided into after uh Kvyat collided into sebastian vettel twice in one race and took him out um so it's good to see he's still doing what he does best um other things that happened during the uh the game uh carlos Sainz he scored two goals to tie up the game for the F1 drivers, um, and it forced a draw for the game. The game ended 3-3. Um, truthfully, I wish I had more clips to showcase, but, um, well, we're not here to talk about soccer, and we're not here to talk about football. So, um, also, everything's in Italian because it wasn't broadcast here in North America. So, uh, yeah, unless you understand Italian, you can go watch it on YouTube. They have a full stream of it. Um, but we're going to talk more about F1. Um, we're going to take a break soon, but before we do, there is some interesting conversation to be had about Checo Perez, Sergio Perez, um, for a couple of reasons. One of them being, um, we'll touch on a little bit later because it involves the race and actually what happened during the race. If you know what I'm talking about, then you know that this is going to be really interesting. Um, but something else that really, really special happened, um, Sergio, he got some time off to go and help his wife. Um, and welcoming his brand new son. His son was born just before the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, his wife put out an Instagram post talking about it, um, showcasing him, uh, Sergio, and his new son, uh, Emilio. So it's great to see. Really happy for Checo. Um, and I think he delivered a really solid result during the race. So uh, it's really exciting to, to hear that. So congratulations, Checo. We're going to take a break really quick. Uh, we have so much more to talk about. Honestly, I think the next section of the show is just going to be all about the race and all about qualifying and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but before we go, you can follow us on social media at DCSA Riot Radio. We're going to play some music. It's All My Friends Are Nobodies by Zebrahead here on RiotRadio.ca. Welcome back to Off the Grid on RiotRadio.ca. It's still me. I'm still here. It's Evan Halbert talking about F1, everything that happened in Barcelona. And uh, hopefully we'll be touching on a little bit about what's going on in Monaco because guess what? The trucks are already there. Um, it doesn't take long. I think it's like a six to eight hour drive from Barcelona to Monaco, uh, which is mind blowing. 
uh, considering you're already crossing like two countries to get there. Uh, anyways, let's get into it. We're not, we got lots to talk about because so much happened during free practice qualifying and the race itself. Um, a couple teams, probably the biggest thing that happened, especially during free practice, um, was that uh, a couple teams brought in their rookie drivers and their reserve drivers for free practice. Um, the FIA regulations require you to have your rookie drivers or reserve driver participate in free practice at least once during the season. Um, so the teams in question and the drivers in question were Red Bull. Uh, they brought on Yuri Vips. Yuri Vips has done karting with um, uh, uh, Mick Schumacher um, before before he really got his big debut in F1. I believe he's been driving in F2 as well. Uh, Williams brought out the Formula E 2021 Mercedes champion, uh, Nick DeVries, uh, to drive for them, which has been also really exciting. Um, based off how he looks, you would have thought he was younger, and you assume that these guys are younger. He's actually 27, um, which is quite old, uh, but he's been driving for Formula E for quite some time now, so uh, he's got experience there. It's really exciting. Now, Alfa Romeo also brought on their reserve driver, who is the only Polish driver, from my knowledge, uh, to have driven an F1, Robert Kubica. Um, and he took uh, Zhou Guan Yu's place in the F1 practice. Um, Yuri Vips uh, took over Sergio's car, and uh, Nick DeVries took over Alex Albon's car. Um, so what does this mean? What's really exciting about this is... There's potential that uh, Nick DeVries might move up uh, into the Williams spot or one of the Williams spots as a driver or be a reserve driver, one of the three. Um, so it's really tough to say. It's hard to, hard to hear that, too. Um, obviously, this is all speculation. Nothing's been confirmed yet. Um, but now it raises the question, who do you replace? Do you get rid of Alex Albon or do you get rid of uh, Nick Latifi? So with Alex Albon, I think he's been performing extremely well. Um, and doing so fantastic uh, with Williams. As much as I don't want him to go, it, it'd be really hard to let him go, uh, especially considering when your other teammate is Nick Latifi. Um, now, Nick Latifi, he's a pay driver, which means um, he brings in a lot of money for the team. Even if he doesn't perform that well, he still contributes quite a bit to the team financially. Um which also, while we're on the topic of Nicholas Latifi, uh, congratulations, he made two races without crashing out. That's fantastic. That is, in my opinion, that's a win um, for, for poor Nicholas Latifi. Um, Monaco might be another story. We know how tight Monaco's corridors are and how how, how much space there is in terms of the, the cornering. Um, if you're wondering, there's not much. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I'm expecting, I'm kind of hoping, not hoping. You never want to hope for a driver to go into a wall and, you know, you don't want them to be injured. Um, but, you know, here's hoping. Good luck, Nick. Um, and, yeah, so we're hoping to see that maybe Nick DeVries might be a reserve driver. But, it, truthfully, I think that if they're going to replace anybody, I think Nick Latifi is causing the Williams team a little too much money. Uh, and they might replace him, truthfully. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see in the next few weeks, the next few months. We're going to be in that weird limbo state in a little while where we're going to be announcing or where um, the drivers are going to be announcing or the teams are going to be announcing who's going where and what's happening. A um, couple of interesting moments while on track with all of our rookies. Um, obviously, there's some leeway because they're new and they don't really understand or don't really have a feel for the car or the track. Um, some of these tracks they've already been driving on, depending on where they're coming from and what their background is. Um, 
But I feel like going from a different from like Formula E car to an F1 car is so drastically different and it feels completely different um, that obviously it's going to take some time to get used to and, and get the feel for it. Um, there was almost an incident on track between Yuri Vips and George Russell. Uh, George Russell was on his flying lap. He was trying to figure out uh, what was a good time and try to make a good time um, and almost went right into the back of Yuri Vips uh, in his Red Bull. So. There was a couple moments there. Obviously, there's some leniency, but uh, you, you want to be safe and you got to make sure that everything is A-OK -okay, um, on track. Uh, that being said, I didn't get to see that because uh, TSN, you didn't show it. You didn't broadcast uh, free practice one or three. I only got this information from doing intense research and watching a lot of highlights. Um, so, yeah, TSN, I would like to see more free practice for Monaco, please, if you could. Thank you. Okay, Mercedes also did really well during free practice. Um, their upgrades really coming in handy. They decided that uh, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell both did phenomenally during um, free practice qualifying and the race itself. Um, so Mercedes fans, you can rejoice um, that Mercedes might be trying to claw their way back up the, the, uh, the championship ladder uh, for the next 16 races. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people kind of forget. A lot of people are just like, oh, yeah, Ferrari's going to take it. Red Bull's going to take it. But, man, there's still so much F1 to do. This, this season's going to go into November. So um, there's still so much that could happen. There's lots of points to be, to be given out and to be had. Um, so if you're a Mercedes fan, don't give up hope. Um, Mick Schumacher had a very scary um, free practice for FP3. Um he was doing his flying lap when his brakes suddenly caught on fire. Uh, we have a clip of that here, so we're going to show that to you and just get a good idea as to what actually happened. Oh, oh, hang on, what's happened here? That's Rear right tire and brakes on the, uh, the Haas. Uh, brakes, are, brakes are burning. My rear brakes are burning. Rear right. Uh, well, we'll box Mick and just come in slow, uh, but just keep moving, obviously. Yeah, it's still burning, so just be ready with the... Uh, okay, yeah. Our oh. it's, it's okay, like if it's too much, we'll have everything. to find a safe place to stop. Yeah, uh, whether he could stop or we're just going on a little bit further because it was safer. Uh, Mick Schumacher, quite a lot of flames coming from the rear brake. Seven braking zones on this track, two of which uh, are described as heavy. And uh, I wonder where this problem started to manifest itself. Let's have a little look. This is up at turn nine, coming over the crest here. Um, so you can see it's on fire there, isn't it? Yes, already on the inside of the wheel. All right, that is a proper. I mean, that is a proper ball of flame. How he's going to see that quickly? He's going to feel it more than anything. He's going to feel the pedal go long, and that's because the. Obviously, the fluid and the brake lines. Oh, I mean, why stick a mechanic in front of a car that's got brakes on fire? I mean, what? that's ridiculous. Why would you have uh, the front jack man there? Somebody needs to take responsibility for that within the team. Claire must wonder where everybody got. So, as you can see, Vic uh, had a not so great time uh, during FP3. Uh, luckily, he was okay. Uh, the car took quite a bit of damage. If you look at other clips that are happening later on, you can see that a lot of the housing um, for where the wheel sat was quite literally melted um, just by how hot and how how 
much friction than the brakes generate. Um, this isn't the first time we've seen this. We saw this in Imola with Alex Albon's brakes. They caught on fire um, and some debris got off of it, uh, got off his car and actually landed on the track, causing a red flag. Um, so this isn't the first time we've seen this. I'm glad Mick's okay. Um, and that's pretty much it for free practice. Qualifying was, and this was also FP3 really quick. Um, this was two hours before qualifying was supposed to happen. Um, and qualifying was great. Qualifying was very exciting. Um, now, in the past, Christian, we talked about Christian Horner and how he was uh, in a huff about how the Aston Martins uh, were copying Red Bull and they were looking exactly the same. They would have the same aerodynamics. Well, he's really quiet now because both Aston Martins were out in, uh, in Q1. I believe they finished 16th and 17th, respectively. Um, poor Sebastian Vettel, he got out and he was very clearly upset by it, um, which is understandable. Like, it, it's tough. But I also understand that getting used to it, it's almost like a brand new car. So trying to get used to it day of and, you know, those three to four hours of practice that you get with it might not be enough to set a really good lap time. So um, hard to see, but I would love to see more of it in, in, uh, in Monaco. Now, Q2 was very surprising uh, and very exciting, too. This is easily the most excited I have ever been um, for F1. Um, just because Q2, moving on to Q3, you had the usual suspects. You had Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, um, both of the Mercedes, George Russell and Lewis Hamilton up there. But also both Haas members. That's right. Both Kevin Magnussen and Mick Schumacher making it to Q3 for the first time in his career, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, now, how did that happen, per se? There's been a, there was a moment where uh, Shumi was in uh, P10. He was just about to get knocked out of P11 and be knocked out of Q2 um, by Lando Norris. However, Lando Norris exceeded track limits on his final lap uh, and actually had his time deleted, and he was out in Q2. Uh, I was out of my seat i was jumping up and down i was cheering i was so happy um to see shumi getting on even more success and more experience as he continues to grow um and this is what i mean when i say those smaller teams haas is a pretty small team they don't have a big budget and it's really great when you see them as the underdogs so well so them and williams um do these great feats and get into q3 and make the points and it's always very exciting um so i was very pleased with that um, that excitement would slowly diminish as Sunday rolled in. Um, but we'll talk about Q3. Q3, um, Charles made pole again. Um, I think he has made pole for the past four races. He's been on pole. If not, it's been Max. Max has been on pole. Uh, and right behind him was Max Verstappen, uh, as well as his, his teammate, Carlos Sainz, coming in third. Um, as well as both Mercedes coming in hot pursuit right behind them. They were P4 and P6. Uh, once again, George Russell out-qualifying um, Lewis Hamilton. So I, I'm not sure what's going on with Lewis Hamilton, but uh, he's just not performing as well. So it, it's kind of shocking to see. Um, so much more is happening um, with what was going on in terms of the race. Um Right at the beginning of the race, so much has happened. Uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, Kevin Magnussen, right at the beginning of the race, they went off the track, they made contact, uh, and Lewis dropped to second place 
uh, on the first lap, which is awful. Did I say first? I meant last. He dropped in last, twentieth place off the first lap. Uh, off the first lap, and uh, you can hear on the team radio he felt absolutely defeated um, right from the get go. Because you know what? It hasn't been his season. I think he finished like he finished seventh. Sixth or seventh in Miami, but before then he was like P14, P15, P16, just not doing that well. It hasn't really been that great of a season. So seeing him drop to 20th was absolutely heart-wrenching. But his teammates, they had his back. His team engineer was in his ear, and he was telling him, like, look, you you need to fight for this. Because honestly, um, the car's performing well. You're performing well. We can get from – we can fight for for P5, P6. P um, so, and he did, he, he stopped, he pitted, he got everything fixed that he needed to. And he fought, he fought really hard to get there. And he was P4 right until the very end when his, uh, power unit started to overheat, uh, and he dropped down to P5. Um, so yeah, 20th to fifth is a phenomenal drive and he did a very good job. It was an excellent strategy. Um, and honestly, I shouldn't expect anything less from Lewis Hamilton. He's won in Barcelona five times in a row. Um, and to see him do uh, go from 20th to 5th is just such a phenomenal drive. Um, even if you're not a Mercedes fan and you're not a Lewis Hamilton fan, uh, you got to respect that skill just because it, that takes a lot of effort and motivation and drive, especially when you're coming off of such big contact right at the beginning. Um, there's also so much that happened. Charles was leading the race for a large portion of it uh, until right around, I think it was lap 22, uh, he actually started to lose power. We have a video of what exactly happened. We'll show that for you. Claire must wonder where everybody got to this afternoon. But that's a Ferrari going very slowly. That's Charles Leclerc. And that's Charles going Leclerc. very slowly. No! 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 What happened? What happened? Lost power. A loss of power. A race that was going absolutely splendidly for him, and he is out of the race. So with Charles out of the race, and honestly, that's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, he was leading for every lap. He was doing so well. Um, and to be honest, I don't particularly care if Charles wins or loses. Same with Max Verstappen. Honestly, it's been back and forth between the two of them. Um, but you hate to see that you're doing well, and then just the car gives up on you. Um, so he was out. He retired. Um, lots to learn from it. Uh, that being said... This made George Russell of Mercedes the lap leader. Earlier on in the race, um, both Carlos Sainz and Max Verstappen went off at turn four because of a massive tailwind um, that actually pushed them off, made the car unbalanced, and it made them lose the grip that they already had on the track and sent them into the gravel pit, um, which was, one, very exciting and also very heartbreaking because Carlos has not had good luck with gravel. And honestly, there's a bunch of memes and jokes going around talking about how, hey, if you want to scare Carlos signs, you put gravel anywhere on the track. Um, guys, lay off Carlos. Carlos, he's trying. He's doing his best. Um, and for Max, Max did the exact same thing. But he did a little more stylish. Honestly, one of the things that's really impressive about Max Verstappen is not only his driving ability, but the fact that he can recover from what looks like the biggest blunders. You'll see in the cockpit views of him driving, he saves so many almost near accidents um, just by sheer intuition and skill. Um, and once again, you got to respect it. Um 
But anyways, Charles went out. He was born. Max is behind uh, George Russell. Um, his DRS is also not working. DRS is such a massive uh, help during F1. It was introduced, oh, I want to say like a decade ago. Um, and it's been such a staple for, for F1. So not having it is super hindering and really not a good time. Um, so he didn't have it for a long time. And you can hear in several radios that Max was getting extremely frustrated with the fact that his DRS isn't working and he can't overtake where he needs to. Um, I saw a tweet the other day talking about how um, George Russell is now the new minister of defense. Uh, I have my own opinions on that, but we'll show you what exactly we're talking about. I got a video for it, so we're going to show that to you now. What's Max Verstappen going to do here? DRS activated, extra pace, accelerating into turn one. Max Verstappen, is he past George Russell? George Russell squeezes through on the inside. Verstappen tries to fight him back. Now into turn three, Russell ahead by half a car length. Going around the outside of turn three, Verstappen leaves the track. Russell still ahead on the rundown into turn four. We've not seen too much between these two in terms of attack and defense before, but I am one that wants to see more. So really exciting driving, really exciting um, racing, really clean racing. They didn't make contact, which is massive and really good. Um, now, why do I not agree that George Russell is now the new Minister of Defense? Well, for a couple of reasons. One, Max didn't have DRS. He was at an innate disadvantage going into this fight and he had to actually really fight and work to get his DRS to work. And once it did work, he got around George Russell with no issues. Um, the other reason is because Sergio Perez already holds that title unofficially, um, and it was given to him by Max Verstappen during 2021, um, the Abu Dhabi, the final race of the season, uh, Sergio Perez, I think everyone knows this race extremely well, um, at least everyone who's listening, uh, they understand that, uh, Sergio held off Lewis Hamilton for long enough that it allowed Max to catch up and eventually overtake Lewis coming into the final laps. And Max unofficially gave him the title as the Minister of Defense. Now, why George is not that uh, is for the reasons I've already stated, but also because George isn't doing it for a part of the team. He wasn't doing it for team building. It was more for himself, you know. I see it as more of a selfish act, um, which understandably, you're competing. You're driving. You're trying to trying to figure out how to get around each other. Um but I don't believe he deserves that title. And I think that, you know, obviously people are going to say what they're going to say. Uh, but I think giving him that title or, or announcing him as the new minister of defense is just uh, inaccurate, in my opinion. Okay, more stuff has happened. So many things happened. Alonso, Fernando Alonso, home hero for the Spanish Grand Prix. He, unfortunately, he didn't, he qualified pretty badly from what I understand. It was below the... Um, it was underneath P10, um, but he actually had to take a penalty because he had to change his power unit or his engine um, before the race started. So in between um, qualifying in the race, he had to swap that out. Now, you're not allowed to do that, and you take a penalty if you are to swap any part of your car in between qualifying and uh, and the race. So he did exactly that. He said, you know what? I've qualified under under like less than half of the grid. I'll take the penalty and I'll, I'll just work with what I got. I'd rather have a brand new power unit in my car anyways. 
Um, so he does exactly that. He takes the penalty. He starts P20 at the beginning of the race, and he drives phenomenally. He does such a great job. He flies around the corners. He overtakes so well, and he finishes P9. Phenomenal. Excellent drive. He uh, just flies around the corners, and it gave a real show for his, his, uh, his Spanish community, um, which has been phenomenal. Um, there's so many more things. Now, for the big things... That happened throughout the race. Um, Max Verstappen wins. He won the race. He finished uh, ahead of his teammate Sergio Perez to make it a Red Bull 1-2. And there's a problem with that. There's I have an image here just really quick just to show before we get into that. Um, this is the Spanish Grand Prix. They decided they were going to muck up a nice photo for or a poster for Max Verstappen's win. It looks awesome. That's why I wanted to show it. Um, but there's a problem here. If you know, if you saw the race, you understand what I'm talking about. Um, Sergio Perez was leading the race for a good chunk of time, um, and when Russell was ahead in P1, it was uh, Sergio who was behind him for a long, long portion of it. Uh, Max had to do a three-stop. Uh, Sergio was only on a two-stop. Plus, Max went off the track a few times, or actually, I say a few times. He went off once, um, and his DRS wasn't working. Um, but Christian Horner or the team principal for, for Red Bull, they issued team orders during this. And what, what I mean by team orders is that he came over the microphone or he came over to the radio and he told Sergio to give up the position to Max to attack um, George Russell. Um, there are so many other moments that happen like that later on in the race. Um, Max had done his third stop. Sergio was leading. He was on a different stint. He was uh, running his tires basically into the ground until the end of the race. Um, and he was told, if Max is faster, you let him through. Um, I have a video showcasing that, but we'll, we'll go to that in just a moment. Um, and he did. He let him through. Um, lots of people are saying this was Sergio's race to win. Um, and because of team orders and because Sergio is, is such a nice guy, um, he allowed it to happen. Um, realistically, I think if it was any other driver, we've seen this happen in the past. We've seen team orders come into play and we've seen drivers straight up ignore them. For example, uh, we had, uh, Mark Weber and Sebastian Vettel when this was like 2010, um, Sebastian Vettel was given the order to back off and not race Mark Weber. He was told you need to establish yourself as the second driver. You do not pass Mark Weber. He is the number one driver. Uh, and Sebastian Vettel ignored him and he, and he did it anyways. He ended up winning the race and there was huge controversy about it. Um, and this is kind of the same thing. Um, a lot of people I've seen talking about this saying that Sergio should have ignored him and just went for the race. But it's hard to do that, you know, because Red Bull essentially saved Sergio's career. How do you, how do you not, you know, comply when you owe these people your career for the most part? Um, but anyways, that, that's a, that's a whole another bag of worms that we can talk about. Um, there's another section of this video that talks about how you can kind of sense where Sergio is upset. We're going to play the video as exactly what happened as well as the aftermath of what happened afterwards. Here it is. Okay, you want a different strategy to Max? If he's quicker, we let him through. That's very unfair, but okay. Yeah, he's letting through now. Yes. Um, yeah, that was the point I was making. You know, I say he, he didn't spin off the track, but um, 
you know, Max, his tyres are six laps younger. Return to Park for Fermi. Norris comes home in eighth. Thank you for everything in that race. I'm happy for the team. Yep. But we need to speak later. Yep. Interesting. We'll speak later. So as you can hear with Sergio, um, he's very upset. We need to talk later. Um, and I've seen articles. I've read a few of them. And from what I understand, Sergio believes that he did not. There was a promise broken. He was told earlier on, uh, if you let Max through to attack Russell, we'll give you the position back afterwards. Um, and that didn't happen. So there was a lot to talk about with Sergio and a lot to talk about with Red Bull as a team. Um, and the big question that keeps coming up is, is it too early for team orders? Um, realistically, the teams can do whatever they want. They can say, they can organize themselves, they can instruct drivers to do what they have to. But it's only race six. Like, this is round six of a 22, sorry, 21 race season you know there's so much more that can happen and it it might be too early for it um what's going in the mind of of christian horner might also be well you got to act sooner rather than later um instead of you got to get on top of this stuff now this was also the chance for red bull to overtake ferrari in the championship and the drivers and the drivers championship um so there's so much to unpack about it um, there was also a post-race interview uh, for Sergio as well. We're going to play that for you just so we can get a little more context as to what's going on in Sergio's mind. Man, you are Mexican, but here is, we're in Spain, so it's, you are half Spain. I mean, half Spanish now, can we say that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you already have very two good drivers, but I've been feeling a lot of support this weekend, so I'm extremely happy to to be on the podium for the first time in the Spanish Grand Prix. Man, for one and uh, one two for Red Bull here in Spain. Amazing, amazing uh, to be here in the podium. You could have won, though. Yes, uh, I think it was close, uh, but I, at the end, it's a great team result, and uh, I'm happy for that. I mean, uh, we we heard you on the radio at one point saying, uh, "Let me, let me, let me attack George. I can get through." I mean, uh, were you a bit frustrated at that point? Yeah, we were on, on different tire strategies at the time. Uh, I, I let Max by uh, in the beginning, then uh, I thought at the time that I could, I could uh, go by and, and not lose crucial seconds, you know, to make my strategy work. But anyway, it's a, it's a good team result. Man, great team player. Well done. So as you can hear, Sergio was—he uh, was talking a lot about you know great for the team. We did really great, and there were good points for the team. Um, and he's really saving face in the sense that he's—he's he's not happy, and I don't blame him truthfully. Um, but anyways, we're gonna go to a break really quick. Uh, before we go, you can follow us on social media at DCSA Riot Radio. We're gonna play you some music. Here is "Reckless Paradise" by Billy Talent here on RiotRadio.ca. Welcome back to Off the Grid on RiotRadio.ca. Uh, as always, I'm Evan, and we're talking some more F1. We just got off talking about Sergio and how he's too nice of a guy, and he needs to not be. Be selfish, Sergio. That's what we're telling you to do. Uh, we have so much. We don't have too much left to talk about. Monaco is this weekend. That is it's easily the biggest race of F1, and it's going to be extremely exciting or really boring. One of the two. Um most people that have been often they've been saying that the race itself is very boring because 
qualifying usually when you what you qualify in Monaco is usually what you end in unless something substantial happens like you know mechanical failure or you know you break the car or whatever. Um, but for the most part, if you drive cleanly, no one's really around you. There's not really that many opportunities to overtake. It's so narrow and so tight um, that you just can't get around anyone. So most people often say that uh, Monaco, the race itself, is very boring. However, they also said that Barcelona was going to be very boring, and they were wrong. So uh, we'll take a look at that. Qualifying is definitely going to be the day to watch Monaco. That's going to be the most exciting. It's where everyone's going to be pushing to get really great fast laugh times and usually whatever you qualify is how you'll end so whoever wins qualifying more than likely gonna win the race uh that being said there's still quite a bit to talk about with monaco um the trucks are already there they're already offloading everything Uh, i mentioned this right off the top of the show that it takes like what six to eight hours to get there um so it's super exciting everyone's getting ready it's it's massive the track has already been built for the most part um, I think they're just putting a few grandstands together, um, and then it's basically done. Uh, predictions. Who's going to win? Who do I think is going to do well, and who's going to flunk out? Um, I want Charles. I really, really, really want Charles to do well. He's from Monaco. He lives in Monte Carlo. He drives these streets on the off season. I, it has to be him. You know, he's got to cure this bad luck. He hasn't won a race he hasn't finished a race in monaco since like 2018 um so i really want him to do well i want him to take pole and win the race just because i'm a sucker for home races i think it would be really cool um in terms of my two three it um, doesn't really matter to me who gets two or three that being said if it's someone we don't see on the podium regularly like esteban Ocon, or you know if we saw mick schumacher Man, Nick Latifi? Imagine if Nick Latifi won. <laughs> or was even on the podium? <laughs> that would be phenomenal. Uh, highly unlikely, but amazing. Um, so there's so much that could happen. There's so many things that, that could go wrong, could go right. Depends on what happens. Okay, let's go over the standings really quick. I got a couple images going up. Uh, we'll start with the driver's standings. Uh, Max Verstappen has overtaken Charles Leclerc for the lead with 110 points. Charles Leclerc is at 104 uh, after his DNF last race, uh, which is amazing because they were they had a staggering like 20 point lead over Max. But go figure when you win win races, uh, it's a cool 25 points coming your way. Uh, Sergio Perez he came second last race. He also had fastest lap, so he's uh, not moving up, but he's keeping pace with everyone else. Uh, George Russell and Carlos Sainz in fourth and fifth. Um, Sainz needs to step his game up. I'm not going to lie. He's driving for Ferrari. Ferrari is super prestigious. They got to be on the ball at all times, and he's kind of dropping the ball, you know? So I wouldn't be too surprised if Ferrari replaced Carlos by the end of this season. Um, I'd be sad to see him go. I really like Carlos, um, but he, he needs to he needs to get it together and, and maybe take some pressure off himself. I don't know. Lewis Hamilton coming in sixth, which is uh, unheard of. Usually he's near the top, um, considering he's won most. He's, he's got seven seven drivers championships. So the fact that he's sitting in sixth with forty six points, only six points separating him and Lando Norris, and Lando Norris has been driving very well this season. Uh, Hamilton's old teammate, Valtteri Bottas, sitting in seventh. Ooh, eighth. Man, math. That's hard. Uh, Valtteri Bottas sitting in eighth with 38 points. Esteban Ocon with ninth in 30th for the Alpines. 
which I don't know if anyone's really expected, considering Fernando Alonso is his teammate and Fernando has won two world champions. Uh, and good old K-Mag, Kevin Magnuson, sitting in 10th, which is great to see. Um, this image doesn't show who's in 11th, uh, but I know who is. It's uh, Daniel Ricciardo. Um, so we're hoping to see Danny Ricardo to come up in the next little while. If you take a look, we have another image here showcasing the before and afters of the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, oh, and I'm painfully wrong. Well, that doesn't happen often, but sometimes it does. Uh, Charles Leclerc, obviously, we saw him move down in second place after the Spanish Grand Prix. Everyone else, for the most part, stayed the same, except for 11th, who I just said was Daniel Ricciardo, and that is incorrect. Um, Yuki Tsunoda moved up into 11th after his one point in the Spanish Grand Prix. He finished 10th, um, and he got good points, good point two for uh, to move himself up. Uh, obviously, Alex Albon, Alex Albon and Fernando Alonso, they swap places for 15th and 16th. Uh, everyone else has pretty much stayed the same, so that's very interesting. Let's go over to the Drivers' Championship, or the Constructors' Championship. Red Bull has now taken a colossal, I say colossal, but it's actually not that much, um, a substantial lead over Ferrari with 195 points to Ferrari's 169. Nice. Um with uh, Mercedes coming up with 120, McLaren at 50 and fourth, Alfa Romeo 39 and fifth, Alpine in sixth with 43, 34. That's okay, we got it. Uh, Haas in eighth at 15, Aston Martin coming in sixth, which ah, you hate to see, but understandably they have. Uh, Aston Martin has, um, what's his name? Lance Stroll, so I, I get it, it's fine. Uh, and then Williams. Uh, I'll bring up the rear with only a couple points. Funny enough, all three of those points belongs to Alex Albon, and there's a big goose egg over Nicholas Latifi's points. And that's pretty much it. That's all our show is today. Um, before we go move on, we have a before and after also of the Spanish Grand Prix for the Drivers' Championship as well. We'll move on to that. And the only real movement we saw was Red Bull and Ferrari, and they just swap, swap places. Um, will we see that in Monaco? Will we see them switch back? I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think it'd be really interesting if uh, Ferrari and Red Bull went back and forth a few times before then. Who knows? Mercedes doing really well. They might come, might sneak up on them in Monaco. Um, realistically, if both um, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell get uh, a Mercedes 1-2, um, that puts them right behind Ferrari or in front. That's math I don't feel like doing. Um <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's our show. Um, we'll see you next time. Next week is going to be Monaco. There's going to be tons to talk about, hopefully. Um, who knows? It could be a really boring brace, and I could just be telling you that it's going to be really boring. Um, but I seriously doubt that. This has been a really exciting season so far. Um, lots has happened. They've been talking about the rivalry between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc basically all season. I really want to see more of that. Uh, so, yeah. Before we go. You can follow us at DCSA Riot Radio and all of our social media. We're going to end off with Rescue Me by Buck Cherry here on RiotRadio.ca. We'll see you next week.